welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Judy Jew. Uh, Judy is super honest about her divorce, and it was honestly a delight to chat to her. You might recognize her as the resident judge on the cooking show Iron Chef America. She is UK's Iron Chef herself. She did a, the TV show over here. She used to be Gordon Ramsay's pastry chef. She's worked in three Michelin star restaurants. She's an author and restaurateur, and she's also so divorced. And it was very nice to talk to her about her experience. She calls it a transformation. Um, uh, her divorce was eight years ago and she talks about the journey she went on in a really positive yet honest way. So enjoy this one. So I am joined by Judy Jew, chef, restaurateur and author. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> Divorce social. I love the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice uh, reaction to the name of the podcast. Yeah. How does it feel to be on the divorce social? You know what? I, I like it because, um, you know, so many times there's so much negativity surrounding divorce and you know, a lot of times, like particularly when it's with like other, you know, Korean people or something like you mentioned divorce and they're automatically like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's this like, like somber thing. I'm like, sometimes congratulations is a good thing to say too, you know? And, um, and I think it doesn't always have to be such a, uh, a terrible stigma around. I mean, believe me, it was awful when I went through it, but it's been eight years now. And, um, you know, I often describe it as the best and the worst thing that ever happened to me all at once. Um, but you know, being eight years out of it now, um, I have that kind of clarity around it. And, um, 
And I do think that, yeah, it can be something that doesn't necessarily have to be all woe is me and somber and, and awful. It, it, it can also be something that, you know what, I reinvented myself. I started a new life and um, I'm thriving and hear me roar. I love that. And I can totally relate <laughs> to that. It's the best thing and the worst thing. Oh, yeah. I think most people who've gone through it can completely relate to that. Yeah. It's so double-sided, isn't it? Yeah. But um, you said there sometimes you feel like you want people to say congratulations. Mm. Did anyone say congratulations to you when you said you were getting divorced? Um, yeah, a few of my close friends because it just was such a long process. You know, it took me like three years to get divorced. And when it finally happened, went through, they're like, thank fucking God. You know, like like you're you're free, you know. Yeah. And um, so I think that there is there's an element of um of like, you know what, like cut the cords and just go and fly now, you know? Um, yeah. And find yourself again. I think there's a, there's a lot of soul searching that goes on with trying to figure out who you are, um, as a single person and who you are, um, in you without being defined by this other entity, this other, you know, husband or wife or whatever that, that you've been, um, a couple with and, and merged into one and to kind of, you know, figure out who you are again, um, as a single person is quite a journey in itself as well. Absolutely. So mm. if I just take you back to eight years ago, where were you in the sort of world in your life eight years ago and how long had you been married for? I um, was married for 10 years. Um, the um, you know last three were awful just trying to get divorced you know um was with my ex-partner for about 13 years in total we, we dated for three years before before we got married and um you know I was very much in a place of like you know planning the next 10 20 years of my life and you know children and kind of like you know looking at at what um what was going to be next and um yeah and it kind of felt like I had you know the rug pulled out from underneath my feet and um you know all of a sudden all those hopes and dreams um with this person kind of disappeared and um you know I had a hard time trying to figure out what my new life would look like what that would be um potentially alone and um, without this person you know, I've been with for literally most of my adult life. You know, I started dating him when I was 25. Um, that's quite young. And um, all of a sudden, you know, age, you know, 35, 36, 37, you know, kind of trying to figure out um, what am I going to do and, and who am I? Um, so I was, um, yeah, eight years ago, I was, I was a groveling, crying pile on the floor. <laughs> um, we can all relate you know, to that. Yeah, I've been there. Um, yeah, unable to get out of bed, unable to see clearly, unable to stop crying. Uh, I mean, I would, I remember I would try to get myself ready to go out, to try to force myself to go out. And just, I couldn't even stop crying in the shower and, you know, having awful days and, and having days when I felt okay. But um, for the most part, you know, like walking around just very numb to the world and not caring if I lived or died. And, and I remember I was on a flight and there was a lot of turbulence and people were freaking out around me. And I was literally like, I don't care if this goes down. I don't care if the flight crashes. Like I, it was, it wasn't like a suicidal feeling, but it was, it was definitely depression and just like, a just kind of like not caring if you got hit by a bus if that makes sense. Um, 
just this like you, like you're alive but you feel so completely dead in every other way is it's interesting because I definitely I remember one time I was like walking somewhere and I was sort of like obviously very sad but angry and so I was just like walking into the road and I was like cars can stop and if they don't stop fine hit me you know yeah sort of mentality yeah, definitely um it's definitely of depression of just kind of um of going through the motions without um having any emotion or, or care if if you live or die, I guess, I don't know. It's just, it's just a sense of, of loss of all hope and, um, a sense of just feeling completely lost in in life and, um, having, having no, um, vision, I guess, and, and no identity as well. And, and now talking about that, you know, the fact that you were on this flight and at the time you didn't care whether you lived or died, how does that make you feel now? That's obviously, it was a very dark period of my life, but I think it was a very natural stage to go through. You know, I think it, if I would be almost concerned if I didn't feel like that, you know, because um, we are human and we are emotional and, you know, and an inability to recognize or feel loss, I think is, is almost worse. Um, we have to go through a grieving process. We have to, you know, kind of understand and absorb and, um, kind of work our way through that type of loss. You know, it's a terrible time. You know, I was unrecognizable to my friends and to myself, you know, and, but I think it's, it's a natural process of, of, of going through something traumatic. Um, and, you know, in some ways I look back on it and I, I wish I had snapped out of it sooner because I feel like I wasted so much time, um, kind of, I don't know if it's not necessarily feeling sorry for myself, but I wasted too much time just being completely and totally devastatedly sad. And, um, and I feel like ugh, the trauma of it took too long for me to snap out of, but everybody's different. Um, and everybody deals with trauma differently. Um, mine was a bit more dragged out and, and long. Um, some people kind of rebound on their feet much faster. I'm not one of those people, but that was the journey that was necessary for me. I mean, kind of looking back on it now, I'm like, Jesus, if I had just taken a year and it was fine, <laughs> you know, like maybe I would have found somebody sooner. Maybe I would have, you know, gotten married a lot quicker afterwards or found somebody or been ready to open my heart to somebody else. Like, and, and so I guess there's a little bit of beating myself up over that because, you know, like I see other people who get divorced and get married a year later or have found love a year later or whatever. Like that just wasn't my journey, you know. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you said snap out of it, but it's not really something you can snap out of, is it? You need to go through the tunnel and come out the other end. Yeah. And I think um, that tunnel is long and dark for a lot of people. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, it's shorter and, and much, um, much straighter, you know, and you can always see the end. I couldn't always see the end of that tunnel uh, yeah. when I was going through it. I think that's a common thing, isn't it? You feel like you're stuck in the middle of the tunnel and there's a traffic jam. <laughs> if oh, yeah. We're talking about a car and tunnel. You have, yeah. And you have no idea where it leads you to, you know, and, um, and a lot of times it's kind of 
safe to stay in the tunnel because you don't know what's on the other side because <laughs> you're so scared as to what is on the other side. And so you spend your time just kind of being in this dark place, you know, because in some ways it's a bit comforting because you know where you are and you're in this dark place and it's completely unknown where it emerges on the other side. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? You're it like, is. It I'm in the dark. Is. No one can see me. And I also can't see myself. So I'll just yeah. stay and hide here. Yeah. And I think that's an important point you make that you can't see yourself. And sometimes it's comforting not to see yourself, you know, um, because you don't know who you are. And to confront that lack of identity is is also um, immensely scary. Because you mentioned that identity kind of crisis and I can definitely relate to that. And my dad actually died just before I got married. And then I was only married for like a year and a half before I got divorced. So I felt like I had this big identity crisis of, I don't have a father figure anymore. And now I'm getting divorced and all these men are like leaving my life. (laughs) Um, how did you, how did you start to find yourself again or were there any practical steps that you took? Uh, I don't think that I I really followed a plan. I don't think that you can really, I mean, some people are are, are much more formulaic with their life. I I am not. Um, I wish I could be because that would probably been easier. (laughs) Um, But I think it's just, you know, everyone is different. You know, everybody has, has their own emotion and their own heart and, it's, it's difficult. It's a journey, you know, and, and when you get married, like you kind of lose a bit of yourself because you stop being just you, you know, particularly as women, um, you know, and I didn't work for a little while, like I was defined by my husband, you know, like I was Mrs. So-and-so and, um, and then, you know, I, I, I started working again and I think that through purpose, you definitely gain an, an identity. So I think that, you know, it's very important for, for women to, always have a hobby or, or some type of work, even if it's part-time or something that they do, even if it's just, um, you know, like a sport or something that something that kind of gives you an identity because we tend to forget that, you know, and, um, particularly when you have kids and, you know, you tend to get defined through your kids and, and you become defined through your, um, you know, your, your partners and the family unit. And when that family unit, is broken apart, you know, and I've seen it happen to so many of my dear friends, you know, or even, even when they become empty nesters, like if they haven't worked in a long time and the kids leave, they're like, who who am I? And I think that, that, that journey of, okay, so I'm, you know, my kids don't need me. They're leaving me. My husband doesn't need me. He's leaving me. And all of a sudden you're kind of left to your own devices. It's, it is a process. And, um, you know, Luckily for, for me, like I knew what I liked to, to do. Like I wanted to be in cooking. I wanted to be in food, but a lot of people, even that journey of figuring out what they want to do and what they like and what they are naturally adept in is, is, is a process. And I think the confidence is a massive hurdle, you know, um, also, and trying to kind of go out on your own by yourself without having that emotional support even that like cheerleader you know or that person just to hold your hand and be like hey you can do it everything's going to be okay 
um, takes a while. And, um, you know, and for me, you know, it was like, I had, I had changed careers. I was in banking for a long time and then I was a bit of a dilettante admittedly. And then I, I kind of was working part-time in kitchens. I wasn't really taking it that seriously. And, you know, and it really took my divorce, um, and my marriage falling apart to really light that fire under my ass. Be like, I got to take this hobby, this little, you know, dalliance where I thought I was going to have cool birthday parties for my kids and actually do something with it, you know, and, um, try to, you know, transform this into something where I can actually sustain myself and and make money and give myself some sense of purpose and identity. And, and also it, it, it's always healthy to, um, to have a busy mind and I definitely threw myself into work as a form of therapy. Um, I think that's healthy to some extent, maybe not to the extent that I did it because I just didn't want to think and I didn't want to feel. And, um, you know, some people get into drugs, alcohol, um, sex, all three, all of the above, you know, and, and for me, like I was never a big drinker. I was never into drugs. You know, I, I didn't, you know, um, you know, want to, you know, kind of pursue casual sex either. And so it was just like, okay, I'm just going to work. And I don't think it was entirely healthy because I probably should have confronted things a bit more head on. I was in therapy, you know, obviously. Um, but I think I just, I found it easier to try not to think about it. Cause that's when I found myself spiraling down like a black hole of just like, what was me and angst and, you know, this is so unfair, you know, why like, is this why happening to me? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, what yeah. have I done? You know, why, why is this happening to me? Like, why am I, why is God punishing me or, or whatever, you know? And then, and I also, you know, went through the process of freezing my eggs, right? So then I'm sitting alone in these waiting rooms of these fertility clinics and everybody else has a partner there holding their hand. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here all by myself? You know, I'm 36, 37 years old and I should be having kids now, but my fucking husband, this and da 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 and whatever. And so, so that's, that's a journey too of like, kind of like, okay, now I have to freeze my eggs. I've got to plan my, my life. If I ever want to have kids, I've got to do this. And so that it's like anger mixed with sadness. Like, like you said, like, why is this happening to me? Like, what, what did I do to deserve this? And now I have to, you know, do this and I'm by myself and I hate all men and I don't trust anybody. And you know what I mean? And I'm, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, and then you're trying to pick yourself up professionally also, you know, and, and try to work and to, you know, plan your fertility and date maybe, and, and all of this stuff and not really feeling sure about any of it. You're like, I can't go for a date on Tuesday. I'm freezing my eggs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and that makes you feel even more hormonal, you know, and even just like, I don't know. And for me, and I'm sure, uh, you know, this is true for for a lot of women, like, like the act of of being kind of like rejected um, and the whole process of divorce kind of really knocks your self-esteem just getting ready to, to date again, you know, like, am I attractive? Like, am I fun? Am I, you know... You know, like you've just been cast by this away by somebody who said they would love you forever and, you know, kind of like getting back on your feet and 
kind of feeling good about yourself, I think is, is a bit of a process also. And then, you know, all the other layers on top of that is, is it, it really is like a rebirth. I think in so many different ways and like a Renaissance and, and an enlightenment also at the same time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, it is. Yeah. I think, you know, you saying you threw yourself into work, I definitely did as well. Um, but I also threw myself into casual sex. So I was like, work, yeah. sex, work, sex. And yeah. I think I'm the same as you. Yeah, it, it really helped to begin with, but then I needed to confront some stuff. Definitely. You talked about freezing your eggs. And I think um, we're quite similar in that, I didn't have children in my marriage and then I felt and I still don't know if I actually want them but I felt this like ticking time bomb of my ovaries and like oh yeah, my god definitely. I've wasted all this time so how was that decision for you if you're okay to talk about it of freezing your eggs definitely um well it was for, for me it wasn't really a hard decision because for me I was like you know what I'm just buying myself an option you know, and um, I come from a family of doctors. And so I, I kind of knew that um, there was a time clock, you know, like I understood the science behind it. I knew that like once you hit 35, like the, the your eggs degrade and all of this stuff. And so like, you know, and I was like, you know what, if if I want to have kids, which maybe I do, I don't know if I do, like I, I have to do this now just to buy myself time. And I knew I wasn't ready to get into another serious relationship. Like my heart was just too broken. I just wasn't there emotionally. And so like, I need time. And so, and if you can afford it and if you are willing to put your body through this and, and, you know, it takes over your life for like two to three weeks, which is nothing, you know, honestly, that buys you time. And so like that, what, like making the decision wasn't hard for me. Cause I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, luckily I had the finances to do this, you know, I, I'm in like, there's some great clinics in London. I'm not in a country where it's illegal or anything like, or it's hard to do, you know, the hard part, which I didn't count on was just like sitting in that waiting room and just like having to go there every day and like, and go through so many different um, tests and scans and everything. And that kind of is like, you're, it forces you to confront where you are and why you're doing this. So that was one of the things that is because it's just like thrown in your face because you're literally sitting there for like hours, sometimes just waiting and everybody else has somebody next to them holding their hand and whatever. And you're like, why the fuck am I here? You know, like, why the hell am I doing this? Like what, you know? And so I think that's a journey. Yeah. But it was probably a healthy one because it did force me to confront some of the things that I was like suppressing of, of just like, yeah, like this is, this is my life. And these are things that I have to do. And so I don't know, cause I've considered it before, but I don't know anything about the practical, like how does it work practically? Do you have to take hormones? Cause you said you go oh, for yeah, scans yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 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 You have to subject your body to like a whole slew of like shots that you have to give yourself in the abdomen and you have to hyperstimulate your ovaries so that, you know, like they, they, you know, like release eggs. It is a whole process, but again, everybody's bodies are different. So sometimes it's like a longer process or a faster process is no good or bad to either way. It's just the way that your body reacts to, to the hormones. But basically, you know, um, you kind of trick your body into, um, hyperstimulating the ovaries so you can release as many eggs as, as you can. And then you have to have surgery and then they kind of, um, you know, um, collect them and then they cryo vacuum basically <laughs> so, and yeah. that's I mean you're going through 
a divorce at this time, like one of the hardest things. And then you're got extra like hormones to hyper up and then you're going into surgery. Like that's a lot. How did you? It is a lot. It's yeah. Cope. Uh, yeah. You, I, I, I cried like a river, honestly, like, um, you know, for like the three years I was going through my divorce and probably for like three years after my divorce. <laughs> and, um, you know, and kind of looking back at the time, like this is where I was like, wish, like, I wish like I had just kind of snapped out of it. Cause I feel like I wasted too much time grieving, you know, and I wish I could be one of these people that kind of like, you know, um, I don't know. I've, I've watched Ted, Ted Lasso on, um, <laughs> or whatever. And he has that famous line of like, cause like all the footballers are quite sad about losing the game. And I'm not saying you shouldn't grieve. You have to go through the process of grieving and everything. I just wish that my grieving process was a lot faster. And there's this famous line of like, be like a goldfish. Cause the goldfish has a memory of 10 seconds. And I, I, maybe it's not 10 seconds, you know, but I wish I could have like condensed that like six years of hell or whatever it was into like one year because I think a year is a long time and that's good enough you know but do you think it would have been as transformative if it was quicker I don't know um because I have I have some friends who've gone through terrible divorces and and they seem fine I don't know you know every everyone is different um the human psyche is different the human heart is different um I, I I am a very emotional person and I I um yeah, I wear my heart on my sleeve in many different ways. And I think that, um, like for me, that was, that was my process and God forbid I had to go through it again. I'd probably get through it faster, you know, cause I'd learned <laughs> from my mistakes and I would just be like, look, I've done this before. And, and as, as you go through, you know, so many battles in your life, like everything just, just becomes easier, you know, but, um, it's, um, I think it's, it, you have to just listen to yourself and whatever feels right for, for, for you. And for me, it was a bit, it took me a bit longer to uh, get, get through it. You know, it's funny you say about um, seeing people like bounce back really quickly and like get married again within a year. And I feel like that was for me, that was the like dream of like, I'd see people doing that and I was like, Oh, maybe that'll happen to me. And I've been single for like four years and I've just not been ready at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody's different, you know, um, and people's personalities are, are different too. Like I've had friends who, who have bounced back, got married right away. But I feel like those are also my friends who probably didn't want to as much find their own identity and also kind of panicked, I would have to say, um, in yeah. a couple of cases, I'm not saying it's, it's all cases, you know, a lot of times my friends who, who had never worked, you know, um, who, who, who really, um, just, were not good by themselves, like just did not want to be alone, period. Um, that's okay, you know? Um, whereas like, I, I didn't want to be necessarily be alone, but I, I I felt more comfort in being alone than being with somebody that quickly. I just couldn't do it. I just wasn't ready to open up my heart to somebody. I just I just couldn't do it, yeah. And, and you talked about taking this thing that you were good at kind of food and being a chef and and making it a thing that you earn money for how did that process happen or how did you make it happen yeah that's a lot of blood sweat and tears and just like not giving up I have to say um 
you know, it it's just having that kind of like intrepid spirit somehow. And I think a lot of it had to do is like, okay, well, everything else in my life is failing. I'm just going to, I'm going to make this one thing succeed and I'm going to throw everything at it. And I think if you just put enough hours into almost anything, like you're kind of going to get there. Um, you know, I do think there is a bit of luck, but I think you make your own luck in life through hard work and connections and perseverance also, um, you know, a thousand more stories of failure there than they are of success in my life, you know, definitely like so many rejections, et cetera, whatever, but believe in yourself. I think you have really have to have this unfettering confidence that you can do it and that you will do it and you will find a way. It's so interesting because we had Sarah Millican on the podcast, a comedian, and her divorce was the thing that made her try stand-up comedy mm. um, because she was like, I've got nothing to lose. And it and it seems like, you know, divorce can propel you into real success and transformation. I, I definitely think so. Um, it propels you to, it forces you to grow. Um, it forces you to confront so many different things. It forces you to realign all of your priorities in life and um, kind of what's important and why and, um, you know, you know, who and what you want to spend your time on. Time is our number one currency. You know, you, you can never buy it. You don't have enough of it. You can never get it back. And so, so time is, is always something that, that, that I'm looking at and, you know, it, it helps you cull um, things from your life, physical things, as well as people, you know, I was like, I just can't be around any negativity, you know, um, at all. I don't even like watching like, like negative, stressful things on TV. You know, I, I, I just, I just can't deal with it like, well, and, and negative people are people that suck energy from me. And, and also like, I think like the act of like packing up my ex-husband's stuff was quite cleansing. Cause I was like, why do I have so much shit in my life? Like physical shit like this doesn't bring me happiness like this bag or this pair of shoes or this whatever or this frock or what like does this really make me happy now you know and and kind of reevaluating what makes you happy like what actually you know makes you smile it gives you it gives you that inner sense of peace you know and um and it was often just like the simplest things. And it sounds so hokey, but I think a lot of people kind of went through that also in COVID, like, like the simplest things that give you the greatest joy in life are free because that was all taken away from us, you know, like a hug, sharing a meal with somebody that you adore and love, like getting together with a girlfriend and, and you know, like having a glass of wine and a great meal out, you know, like that's kind of like create like memories are the thing that kind of created the most joy in, in life for me. And, um, you know, not necessarily like a Chanel bag or a pair of diamond earrings or something. And, um, although both of those things are also very nice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Going for a meal um, with someone you love with your Chanel bag and diamond earrings. Okay. I do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social merchandise? Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, that's my name, and you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s-style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod, and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. You mentioned earlier about um, being Korean and people responding to your divorce, maybe with pity face instead of congratulations. What kind of reaction did your divorce get with like kind of your family and what reaction in Korea, if you're aware of it, is does divorce get generally? Oh, gosh, my relatives, like, I think they still lie and they say I'm still married. I I mean, it's not even in their vocabulary, divorce, you know, so like my parents really kind of went into a crisis um, when the whole thing was just happening. And, uh, you know, and I basically had to say to my mom, like, you know, I, I cannot carry you and dad through this and myself, like, I need to hear from you that I'm going to be okay with or without this guy in my life going forward. And I need you to support me, you know? And um, yeah, it was very, very difficult because, you know, divorce doesn't happen. Like nobody's divorced in our family, period. You know, and um, 
they just they just couldn't um, process it, you know. And you know, I I uh, I married a you know just American white guy, and everyone in his family is divorced. So it's, it's, it's very different, you know? And at one point he said to me, he was like, well, if we miss each other, we'll just get married again. I was like, you don't understand divorce and you don't understand marriage. If that's like, if that's your attitude towards it, but because everyone in his family is divorced, like every single day, it just, you know, and I, and I think that that was a big cultural difference. Um, and just cause like he was so flippant about it, you know? Um, and he's like, everybody gets divorced, you know, 50% of the of America's divorced and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't give it your all and you try. And, and, you know, and for me, like, I really felt that this, I would grow old with this person, you know? And, um, there still is a, a cultural stigma. It's getting better in Korea, but um, like you'll still hear people, you know, kind of like say, you know, even with with men, like, oh yeah, he's divorced, you know, which kind of insinuates like, oh, it's kind of just like a scarlet letter or a black mark on you, like kind of insinuating like he can't even handle or control his affairs at home. How can you trust him in work? And and the same with 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 women you know it's like you're almost like um like a used commodity you know or or something and um it's getting better but um you know uh like like one of my relatives said like because when I I almost like somebody asked if I was married and I almost started saying and she hit me under the table and um she was like and I was kind of like oh and she just said yes no she's a very nice husband just kind of basically like what wow was said yeah. And she said, it's better for you if you just say that you're married still. <laughs> oh my God. So how do, how does that feel like having to lie essentially in certain situations? You know, like now I'm older, like I just don't give a shit anymore when I go back to Korea. I'm just like, yeah, I'm divorced. Like take it or leave it. Who the fuck cares? You know, like, and it's getting better. Like, you know, like eight, t- 10 years ago when I was going through it, I think it was just, you know, still a stigma. There still is a bit of a stigma, but it's getting better. There's so many more people getting divorced in in Asia and in Korea. Um, And, you know, I think probably for for me also, it took a while to kind of get over that shame or that like stigma or, you know, like, like, cause it's kind of like, you feel like, what did I do wrong? You know, like, like, like it's, it's my fault, you know? Um, but after you kind of get get over that and be like, you know what, it's not my fault. And you know what, I'm better off now. Um, I'm doing things I would never have done in my life is is better. Um, then it, it takes a while to get through that journey and to kind of embrace that narrative, you know, not, not to necessarily call it a narrative that almost makes it seem like it's a story, but to kind of like embrace your new life and your, uh, your rebirth, you know, and not to kind of be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I'm divorced and like whisper about it. You know, you could be like, yeah, I'm divorced. That's fine. It's, that's part of me and I'm stronger and better off for it. I, I actually have a necklace now that says divorced that I wear to promote the podcast. Yeah, people are always like, "What does that say?" Divorce. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm divorced." <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah, and I think that 
that's a healthy thing. And people should be like, yeah, congratulations. You're divorced. You're out of an unhappy situation, whatever it was, you know, and, and you have a new bright life and, and there is like a 50% divorce rate out there or for a while it was 52%. I think, I think it, the, you know, COVID spiked divorces in China. I'm sure you're going to see it here too, you know? So it's, um, marriage is difficult. Being single is difficult. Um, and you have to work at it. And, um, you know, I know very few really, really happy married couples, honestly, like, like very few, um, you know, I hear so much. We're just together for the kids. We're just together for the kids. Like marriage is long. People live a long time. It's kind of almost unnatural, you know, and it's boring to sleep with the same person for 40 years of life, you know, <laughs> and, and it's so, you know, marriage by definition is boring. And so many of my friends are like, you know what, like it's the business. I feel like I'm running a, a business and the business is the family and the family is the company. And we just have to like, you know, like raise the kids and that's the job and, and they just get through it, you know, and it's rare to find like the, those couples who are, who are really still massively in love and have that spark and um and i think that marriages go through ups and downs and cycles you know like you know it's like a sine curve up and down up and down and it's and, and that's life life has cycles and different seasons and you go through storms and it's the couples that are able to weather those storms together i think to go through the good times and bad times because they're going to be bad times and they're going to be great times and the couples who are honest about it say like yeah we almost got divorced like 20 times that's honest because that's life you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and but it's the couples that stay together through the times that they're that they have a lull or they get bored or you know life throws them a ridiculous curveball and the ones that kind of can stick by each other through that. And, you know, particularly when you get married young or you, you have to grow together and you grow as people and you evolve and you, you know, you change jobs, you, you change careers, you, you know, you have to grow together individually and as a couple to get through all the different seasons of life and to weather all those storms together. I think that's quite rare because it's so easy these days just to give up like, oh, well, you know, there were a couple months and I got bored and I'm going to give up or she wasn't paying attention to me or he wasn't paying attention to me for a few months and I got bored and whatever. And, you know, and, or we weren't having sex for X, Y, Z, or, or she did this, or he did that, you know, it, it's going to happen. People are human. It's, it's just, it's about, you know, kind of having the patience to kind of get get through it all together, and I feel that um, a lot of people don't have that. Not to say that 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 that's wrong. It's it, some people should get divorced. You know, some people should never have gotten married, and some people need need to kind of be apart in order to grow. So um, yeah, I was going to say there's a point, isn't there? There's like giving up too quickly, but then also, I, I always say it's very brave to stay together, but it's very brave to to leave separate yeah absolutely and only you know because I get a lot of messages from people saying oh this happened this happened should I leave but only you know when you get to that point where you just can't do it anymore absolutely yeah and it's it's hard to see when you're in it it's hard to have that clarity to actually see like you know what actually my life if I do separate it's going to be better and healthier and everybody's relationship is different. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. 
you never know. People's lives could seem perfect on Instagram and everything. And you see them as a couple out and about going to all the parties and socializing and everything. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Only you know what situation that you are in to make that kind of decision. But it, it's so hard when you're in it to actually have that clarity and, and, to, and to have that confidence. Um, you know, like I definitely didn't have that confidence, you know, cause I was, I was so young. Like I didn't, I didn't know what my life was as an adult without this person. And, um, and so that's why I had that like kind of panic and like this, like, I think that's also why it took me so long to kind of come out of it. Cause I, I just didn't know who I was, or I didn't have a vision of what my life could be. And, um, you know, obviously now being 47, like I can look back on it and, and say that it was the right thing, you know? Um, but when you're going through it, like I I was like ready to do anything and everything and to, you know, just to try to make it work. But looking back, like it would never have worked, you know? Um, it's nice that you say looking back now you can see, cause looking back now. So, you know, you've, you've moved on, you went out there and started dating. How did that go? Oh my God. That's like fucking awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's so incredibly frightening. And so like, also, cause like when I was single in my twenties, none of this shit existed. Like there was no swiping. There were no apps. Like you met people the old fashioned way, you know, like I expect them to take me out to dinner. I expect them to take me for a drink and not just to swipe right on me and expect me to hook up with them. Like I'm kind of a traditionalist in that sense. Like I just can't, you know, like hook up with people just, just after seeing their photo. Um, you know, I, I kind of want there to be a little bit of a wooing and and seduction and and a bit of skill in it, you know? (laughs) And, um, yeah, it's absolutely frightening, um, terrifying a hundred percent, you know, and, um, being confident just to put yourself out there and then being confident to put your heart out there, being confident of the way you look and of what your body looks like and, and, you know, and, um, everything, you know, it's, it's terrifying. I don't know how how you found it at first. I was just like, I can't do it. Like, yeah. Well, I think I went the other way because I was like, oh my God, I can have sex with other people. They want to have (laughs) sex with me. So I was just like, went for it. But I think the relationship bit, yeah, is a bit harder. So I'm in a brand new relationship at the moment. Exciting. Yeah. Which is exciting, but I feel like there's whole new milestones of like, I've got to like open up my heart a little bit at a time. And it's a bit scary of like letting oh, yeah. someone in and completely we've done all the dating thing. I feel like I got good at dating like over the last four years, but I was good at like three dates. And then obviously yeah. going out with someone longer than three dates, I'm like, oh my God, I've got to meet, you know, their family. And <laughs> how does that work? Like, I don't remember how to do it. Cause especially when you have worked so hard to kind of like repair your heart, like the last thing you want to do is to like put it back out there to yeah. let it get like ripped apart and torn to shreds again. <laughs> do you feel more protected? Because I think I feel more protective of my heart than ever before. Oh, a thousand gazillion times more. That's just human nature though. You know what I mean? Like you get burned once, you're not going to go too close to the fire again. You know, like it's just a natural instinct. Like you learn from from what what's, you know, hurt you in the past. And then, um, so I think that 
you know, and particularly, I think if, if you are quite fiercely independent, you know, like, and, and you are kind of, you know, successful in your own right, like, I don't necessarily need a man in my life, you know, um, I have quite a rich, fulfilling life, amazing family, amazing female friends, you know, um, like I make my own money, you know, so like, I don't really need quote unquote somebody. And so like, and I'm, I'm busy. And so like, if I'm going to date somebody, like there has to be serious value add there. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's difficult to want to like put yourself out there, you know, like I've never said, I love you to somebody other than my ex-husband since, um, I I've, I've never, I've, I've had one guy that I'm dating now that I would even call my, my boyfriend, you know, um, and that's one person and I've obviously dated others, but I would never even give anybody that like title, I guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I think I definitely have issues. I should probably go back into therapy. <laughs> um, I know that's what this new relationship is making me think. I'm like, right, yeah, need more therapy because I feel like I did so much work, and now I'm like, oh, this is a whole new chapter. Yeah, um, definitely, because I think I did a lot of work on myself and me and my identity, and now it's kind of like I have to work on letting me interact it's me with other people I guess you know and and um and men and you know I I kind of I felt I kind of did fall into a bit of a um of a pattern of just like having fantastic vacations and nights out with just all of my amazing girlfriends and um you know and like and it is nice to kind of have that intimacy though with a man you know like it, it it is something that um I missed. And I remember kind of hooking up with that first person again that I actually did like. I I forgot what it was like to be touched in that way, to have that level of, I had totally forgotten. And because that part of me had died, you know, and because that that had totally, I had, I had just died. Like I didn't know. And I still remember like, and I, I wrote him a note, like, thank you for showing me again what it felt to be that alive again because I just I had I had not had that in like years and that's part of what's exciting life is that 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 like that human intimacy you know and it's um yeah it it just it felt beautiful um because I I just had not let anybody even touch me in that way and had to have that emotion connection behind it too and it was it was exciting and scary and and fun and you know and like have all the juices flowing in every way <laughs> you know like I just, <laughs> yeah you know, opposed to just like going through vibrators <laughs> like you know, because you do that too. Like that one's done. Next. Yeah, next. Broke that one. Okay, next. You just stronger. What you know? And like, it's just, um, I've forgotten what it was like to be with a man. And, and it was so exciting. 
and 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 beautiful and lovely and frightening and terrifying at the same time and yeah it's interesting how much of a process like the divorce recovery is because I feel like up until this point in my life I've seen it as a very individual thing and like I need to work on myself and get through and heal you know like you said and find my identity again and now I'm in this kind of new relationship and I'm like oh like this is a process too like being touched and and feeling things and protecting myself and what do I do in this scenario and I think it is it's you know it's interesting because it's opening me up to this whole new like oh this is all part of like getting divorced too the next new relationship and how that works oh yeah absolutely and and everyone's different there's no right answer there is no formula there is no like 10-step program unfortunately like it's not like I wish there was, you know, obviously there, there, there are different stages, but every stage is, is going to take longer or shorter for everybody. And I, I think it's, it, it's important not to beat yourself up over it too much. Um, but I think that what's great, I think, particularly for us being women is that we have such strong, hopefully like female relationships and men don't really have that. They just get together and like grunt, you know, and like watch sports. Whereas like, like my girlfriends and I, like even you, you know, like we have such deep, meaningful, like supportive conversations and love for each other and honesty. And like, you know, and particularly at this age, like, you know, like I I don't, I don't care. Like, it's like, I'll tell you what's going on, you know, like, yeah, like my life's not perfect. Like, no, it's like, I, I, de- I deal with this. I get nervous of this. I have, you know, I think this of me or what, you know, I'm, I'm not hundred percent confident. I'm self-deprecating my girlfriends too. They're like, no, our marriages are not perfect. Like what they're, you know, like we are, we've known each other for so long. We love each other. We've known each other since kids that like, we understand and we don't have to pretend like there's no, you know, bitchiness or like veneer. It's just like, oh, I'm having an awful time with this kid and, or this husband or my husband or whatever. And that's important. I think is having that type of honest and real support network around you. And I don't think I would have gotten through, you know, um, it all without that. Yeah, definitely. And, and on that note, if anyone's listening and they're sort of in that really difficult place, that we talked about in the middle of the tunnel and you don't, you can't see the end and you kind of want to stay there because it feels dark. Any words of advice or even just words of comfort for them? Yeah. uh, Well, definitely. First of all, it does get better a hundred percent. And you just have to believe in that fiercely. You really have to just believe that there's a grand, beautiful life after divorce and the best is yet to come a hundred percent and just believe in that fiercely and, and unfetteringly believe that and um, understand it's a process and understand that talking about it is important. Listening to podcasts like this, this is why I decided to, to do this is so helpful. Like you are not alone and um, it's, it is a journey it, it, in so many different ways and it, exploration Um and, but I think that like, you know, us, us being, being women, like we are so much more in touch with our emotions. Like we feel things a thousand times more, but with that, you know, we have such strong relationships with each other, you know, and, and now we're part of the divorce, the, the, the divorce social podcast. It's like Ooh. a little family, you know, and so, <laughs> but it's, it's true. Like, like 
like we're here for each other, you know? And I feel like only people who've been through divorce or go through it, like really understand what it's like, you know, uh, because it, it's, it's just such a fucking shit show and it just, you know, blows up your heart and your mind and everything in your life. And it's just, it's so many. And the, the financial part of it also is, is just a nightmare too. And then, um, so it's the act of talking about it is part of the healing and, and, um, and so definitely get a therapist, lean on your girlfriends, lean on your family and, and just get it out and cry a river. Cause that's also expunging it out of you. The physical act of crying, the physical act of talking, screaming, you know, um, all of that helps you get through it. Yeah. And it gets better and it's, it's amazing after and there is a light at the tunnel and the light is beautiful and bright and there's, and there's love there too. Yeah. What a lovely place to finish. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.